High end over end variety. And Amati from his 45. He's got a lane. And he's got speed. Look out. Beep, beep. The Ducks are in the end zone. Touchdown. This is the Duck Pod from the Register Guard Newsroom. Gordon head to head for sure. Mitchell goes in motion. They hand it off. Oregon sports beat writers Ryan Thorburn and Steve Mims. We're back for another episode of the Duck Pod. Ryan Thorburn here with Steve Mims. Number 15 Oregon is coming off a 77-6 victory over Nevada last Saturday night at Autzen Stadium. Steve, what do you make of that game? Uh, Obviously, the Wolfpack beat Purdue the week before. Oregon lost a tough one to Auburn. Uh... Saw bounce-back performance coming, but not a historic scoring performance for the Ducks, where they had 11 touchdowns by 11, 11 different guys, seven receiving touchdowns by seven different targets. Yeah, they gave Montana some film to watch. All of a sudden, a few extra targets. If they weren't looking for uh, Hunter Campmoyer or Brady Aiello in the end zone, those will now be on the scouting reports, too. So, no, I think it was the cliche of the, the perfect thing they needed after Auburn was to kind of get out. And I had said last week, I thought there was a scenario where if Oregon you know, went out and had some three and outs, and they did early, and some turnovers, that game could be interesting at halftime, and the natives could be getting a little restless. And it was, I was completely wrong on that. It felt like once Samson knew got the the turnover that they turned into quick points all of a sudden it went from it felt like it was 7-6 and then all of a sudden next thing you knew it was 35-6 at the half and uh, it was over from there but I think uh, I think you know lost in all that is the defensive performance obviously which only gives up the two early field goals and they score 70 straight so I think it was everything you'd want to see for an Oregon coaching staff to to come back from Auburn and then almost feel like you'd, you'd rather not have Montana this week. You'd rather kind of head into Pac-12 playoffs, something like that, rather than have kind of an exhibition game this week. What do you make of Andy Avalos' defense after two weeks? I mean, you know, Jim Levitt had a great reputation, certainly turned around things from the Hoke debacle, but, uh, you know, didn't see eye die with Cristobal after wanting the same job that Mario uh, was chosen over Jim. Uh, Andy comes in, a lot of young guys, but also some veteran guys in the starting lineup. What jumps off the page against Nevada is 13 tackles for loss, yeah. including five sacks, three forced fumbles, an interception. Uh, so far, so good for Andy Avalos. Yeah, and the fact you know we didn't see DJ Johnson the first week and he's a leading tackler the second week shows you that they're still trying to work their way through some personnel. And we've seen you know Cumberlander and Thibodeau and other guys out there on the end. We saw Steve Stevens with an interception out there last week. Um, you know some of that came a little bit later, but it does feel like they're still trying to kind of fit the pieces. And you know again Nevada, you could do that this week, you could do that. So I think it gives them a pretty good feel. What we saw there that come Pac-12 play in two weeks, so they'll, they'll kind of know their personnel and. Andy will have a pretty good idea. I haven't seen him go live three times against opponents. What what he's looking for in terms of rotations when Stanford comes around. It, it would be nice for Justin Herbert if that defense can set up those short fields in Pac-12 play, which they did the other night. Uh, Justin had a, a slow start, and despite having a slow start, finishes with 310 yards passing, five touchdowns in less than three quarters. Uh, And then we got to see Tyler Shuck pass the ball for the first time in his career. He had come in a couple times last year, um, including one snap in the Civil War and and some, you know, that critical snap against Auburn, but he had never thrown the ball. He goes eight for nine, 92 yards, two touchdowns. So uh, that future 2020 quarterback slash second team offensive line, uh, potentially if Tyler can beat out, you know, the competition next year with some – invaluable reps in a real game 
Yeah, I think like you know, like you say, last year it was people wanted to see him throw, but every time he came in, it didn't. And then they obviously weren't going to play him, you know, more than the four to to be able to redshirt him. So he's got the redshirt there. Um, and, and I think you know, spring games he had a couple of nice spring games. People have seen him, but and you know, it's, I wouldn't jump too much, you know, to conclusions here that what we saw against you know Nevada's group as they were pretty deflated that second half. But certainly for him, good opportunity to go in there and, and take advantage of a chance to throw the ball. Are you concerned at all about the running game? I mean, they did finish with 221 net yards. Of course, Darian Felix with an 80-yarder yeah. near the end of the game. Uh, C.J. Verdell, um, you know, has had a quiet start, but at the same time, I think they're kind of trying to save him for the end of the year. It seemed like he, you know, had such a great freshman year but was worn down a little bit. I mean, they have four or five guys that can rotate in there. Yeah, and we saw Dollars get in there at the end. I think it was his debut. So, uh, and Felix now we've seen him. He had a nifty move there in the in the Auburn game and in a nice run there. And they've been saying all along if they could just keep him healthy, they like some of the things he can do. And you mentioned Verdell had even said, you know, coming in his whole goal this year was to stay healthy because, um, you know, I think he missed one game but was limited in a couple others last year. And again, Jim Mastrom, you know, he talked about wanting you know two and a half running backs. I think they feel like they know what they've got in Die and Verdell, and they run them out there a little bit. And I think we'd see a ton him again this week in terms of having to get a ton of carries but um, you know they know what they've gotten those two I think he's trying to figure out if Felix is that half or if that's dollars or how they kind of mix up some of those latter ones but I think by the time we get into Pac-12 play here in a couple weeks it'll be similar to last year it'll be a timeshare with with Verdell and with Die and Verdell probably getting you know 65-35 and Felix looks like me right now a guy who would get kind of the excess leftover carries. Marcus Arroyo seemed to uh, take the brunt of the blame for the for the Auburn game uh, Oregon's offensive coordinator but I mean let's face it their receiving core was decimated by injuries during fall camp and so far you've essentially have five different tight ends if you count yeah, you know I Spencer know. Webb was playing in yeah. the slot but he caught a t- touchdown against Auburn he had four the other night including Brady Aiello so uh, they're getting creative in the passing game and when these tight ends are rolling and all of a sudden you add a Jawan Johnson and later on add a Micah Pittman and at the end of the season add a Brendan Schooler uh, could be pretty interesting offense yeah and you mentioned the Titans what five of them scored and the starter hasn't played yet you know Cam McCormick's been out of this thing I think we all expect as a starter when he's 100% I wouldn't expect to see that this week I'm getting the idea that they've you know once he wasn't able to, to give it a go for Auburn they probably decided hey let's let's kind of let him get ready to go and get rested up for for get him make sure he's 100% sure for Stanford so I think he may get out there but I wouldn't expect to see him playing a whole lot but yeah once you get him out there and you know what you got in Breland and all of a sudden you know we saw Ryan Bay you know he's a guy who's always been pretty reliable for him and a pretty good blocker and Webb certainly is a guy who showed that he needs some plays although he's been like you say more a wide receiver and yeah I mean suddenly there, there's not maybe the the all-conference guy at some of these receiver and tight end positions but certainly seemed like there's eight nine guys that they could feel pretty comfortable at this point throwing the ball too we saw you know I'm writing today about Brian Addison a guy who had the drop last week against Auburn that was pretty costly and didn't get another catch that game. And then he comes back and, and makes kind of a diving catch to get him down to the two and then scores his first touchdown a couple of plays later. So did a nice job with him of kind of keeping his confidence up for another week. I don't think the Montana game is going to come down to a, a last-second field goal, but Oregon all of a sudden where they enter the Auburn guy game with three place kickers tied atop the depth chart. Now they have one remaining, Camden Lewis, a true freshman, who missed that 20-yard field goal against Auburn. Uh, Adam Stack is transferring, looking for more playing time elsewhere, and Zach Emerson was arrested uh, last week on misdemeanor charges, so he is not with the team right now, still on the roster 
all of a sudden Camden Lewis becomes a key player for the Ducks. Yeah, and it's interesting. You know, we all look at quarterback battles in fall camp. We saw it at Washington where the guy who loses it transfers. We saw it at USC where the guy who lost it transfers. Well, the only other position where you only play one guy is the kicker. And so, it's you know, that's why Mario Cristobal probably said early on, hey, we've got three guys at the top because he knew that, you know, Stack's probably going to be looking to go elsewhere. He's not the guy. Now, eventually, after a couple of games, Stack realized it. But, yeah, I mean, I do think that's another one of the positions where it's hard to keep a backup there. And really, other than Aiden Schneider, Oregon hadn't had a real reliable field goal kicker for almost a decade now. So we'll see with Camden Lewis. Like you say, his first big moment went the wrong way. But as I just mentioned with Addison, you know, some, he's bounced back from it. And I think Lewis, you know, we'll see when he gets his next chance out there. But certainly, I think it's got to be a little scary to have your only kicker be a true freshman. I mean, even if you just had Emerson around, just to have kind of another option. Because, you know, right now he goes out there and misses. I, I did a story preseason on Tom Snee, and I asked him, and he said he'd never – He'd never kicked a field goal before, so he's strictly a punter. I'm thinking Maymoan's just a punter. So this is this is all or nothing with Cam Lewis, and and, and I think we know that there's probably going to be a game or two when those field goals are going to be pretty important if Oregon wants to make this run to the Pac-12 title. All right, Steve, I'm looking out the window of the Plush Register Guard Podcast Studios, and it's been raining off and on very heavily and i just noticed the other day that my tires are not up to snuff so i'm gonna have to go to les schwab <laughs> tires and uh let's take a break and hear from them hi there it's les schwab tires you know we've been helping keep folks safe on the road around here since 1952 that's why you can save up to 152 dollars on a set of four select light truck and suv tires during our fall tire sale so swing by or book an appointment at leschwab.com les schwab tires doing the right thing since 1952 limited time offer while supplies last discount depends on tire size and type cannot be combined with other offers details at leschwab.com all right, we're back on the Duck Pod. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Let's uh, look at the Pac-12. It's getting very interesting already, Steve. You know, it's not often you come home from a game late at night and there are two Pac-12 games <laughs> not only still going on, but not even close to being over. Yeah. I watched the majority of the second half of Oregon State at Hawaii and then almost made it to the end. I didn't make it, so I missed the dramatic finish of Cal beating Washington in the wee hour Sunday. What do you make of the the crazy start to Pac-12 play? Well, I mean, I think if you were looking for a favorite in the in the North and you were had any questions about Oregon, I, I think last week probably kind of put them back up. They're not even just from the eyeball test, but suddenly Washington's a game back and what you think is going to be a pretty close one and, and, you know, winning at home against Cal is a game you'd expect them to get. So I don't want to say that knocks Washington out, but it certainly cuts their margin of error a little bit there. Stanford, same way. They go and lose to, to USC in a game. They were leading 17-3 and look like, you know, their defense would be able to kind of help their, their young junior quarterback who filled in for Costello. And next thing you know, they give up about 40 unanswered and outscored 42-3 to the rest of the way, I think. So uh, Washington State, you know, it suddenly looks like, I guess, with Oregon be the co-favorites right now in the north. Uh, Washington State certainly hadn't really played anybody at this point. But I think once we head into Pac-12, I think if people thought Oregon-Washington, maybe now that's looking a little bit more Oregon-Washington State. Yeah, Mario's going to have to have a great season or leech to beat Justin Wilcox out for coach of the year this year. Cal, their defense is legit. Yeah. Um, one of the big surprises for me last year was that Oregon played so well at Cal and, and beat them, you know, at a place where Washington lost last year. So uh, maybe good scheduling that Cal comes to Oregon this year uh, because they look legit as a, as a player in this thing. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, what do you make of the dumpster fire that is UCLA football? Um, 
and and to a less and to a more expected degree Oregon State football with their infighting and and you know these teams are making Hawaii look like they should be in the Pac-12. <laughs> yeah, Hawaii's two and zero against the Pac-12 and got the Huskies up next. So um, yeah, the Beavers is you know it it feels like you know that first game which I went to you watched the boy that offense and everybody thought but that defense unfortunately isn't any better this year and then suddenly you watched me as toy and boy that defense got better and suddenly the offense goes scoreless in the second half. I mean I don't. I don't know how that team in Hawaii is not exactly a defensive juggernaut. I don't know how that team can't get a point. Uh, obviously, some some questionable decisions on the punt, etc. But I think if you're Oregon State right now, you're kind of throwing your hands up, figuring, you know, that was a game you should have had. And if your offense can give you anything, the one thing you've been able to count on, if it comes through, you're one and one. You're heading home to face Cal Poly. You're heading to Pac-12, feeling pretty good at two and one. But now all of a sudden, you sit there and wonder, boy, with all the problems you're having on defense, and Cal Poly find a way to stay in it with them and. UCLA is just a completely different deal. I mean, if you've got the Bruins, you know, with, uh, you know, what, 0-5 against group of five, 0-4 against group of five teams. I mean, you can't beat San Diego State, Cincinnati two years in a row. It's remarkable. You know, I mean, you'd think that, I mean, obviously he didn't inherit the team he inherited from Mike Pilotti here, but you would have thought that with teams like that, and obviously Jim Moore had some talent in there, that, that Chip would have been able to kind of get it going a little bit sooner than it has, but... But now you really look at the schedule and wonder, I mean, can they do what they, you know, even win four or five games like last year? Yeah, now Chip Kelly gets to host Oklahoma. Yeah, and they're giving tickets away <laughs> to try to fill the stands, which might not be a good idea either. I mean, it's going to be filled spew. with Sooner fans <laughs> yeah. is what it's going to be filled with. Yeah. Speaking of, of red invasions, uh, Nebraska goes to Colorado last week. They have 70% of the fans in mm-hmm. Boulder. Uh, that's what it appeared to be on TV. And... Uh, Mel Tucker breaking out the flea flicker in the end zone, scoring 24 fourth quarter points, and Colorado takes down Nebraska. They're another good story in the Pac-12. Yeah, but Colorado, which really, other than that one year they got to the Pac-12 title game, has really been pretty bad since they got in the Pac-12. And now they're a team that's got a you know a, a two-year sweep over Nebraska. You know they they beat them both back-to-back years. So if Mel Tucker feels very good about that, he can look and realize that Mac, Mike McIntyre got fired the year before after beating them. But uh, we may see uh, Nebraska. You know they went they split the two with Oregon, obviously home and home. But Colorado gets the sweep, yeah, which is impressive. And you know and they beat Colorado State and. Now they get Air Force this week. I mean, they can be a team just the way that polls work. They may be a, a fringe top 25 team by the time the conference play begins. This week could be another tough one for the Pac-12 as far as that narrative goes about them uh, not living up to to the billing of the other power conferences. You have Stanford, which is really hurting with injuries, has to play at UCF. Yeah. And those guys obviously want to make a statement anytime they get a Power 5 team. They're going to try to make a statement. So uh, unless, you know, Stanford gets their quarterback and plays well, that could be ugly. And then you have Arizona State, which has a freshman quarterback, has a pretty good defense, but they've struggled. Uh, And they're at Michigan State, and the Spartans look like they might have uh, the best defense in the country again. So those could be two uh, tough days for the tough outcomes for the Pac-12 against ranked teams. Yeah, no, and you mentioned I think Costello's supposed to be back with Stanford, so that'll help them out. But like you mentioned, they, their lines got some injuries with Walker Little. They haven't exactly found the next Bryce Love or Christian McCaffrey in the back in the backfield. Uh, you know, Cam Scarlett's doing a nice job, but doesn't quite present the the you know the the, the troubles that the others did. And um, yeah, I mean Arizona State last year they beat Michigan State. I think it was sixteen thirteen. I mean you feel the way both those teams are playing defense. That game's probably sixteen thirteen again this year, but it'd be a little tougher to do it up at Spartan Stadium. USC, however, though is now ranked twenty fourth, two and zero. I think a lot of people thought maybe Clay, Clay Helton would be 
in yeah. trouble by now. He's going to have a new AD, so we'll see how it plays out. He might have to win 10 or 11. Um, but they're at BYU. So, uh, you know, that could be a situation where, uh, you know, if USC takes care of business at BYU, all of a sudden uh, that hard schedule they're facing, they're 3-0, and, and, you know, this freshman quarterback looks legit in that, that air raid. Yeah, although I think they do open Pac-12 with, like, Washington, Utah, and then they go to Notre Dame. So uh, it is a minefield schedule. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, the, the Clay Helton watch will be on all year because throughout the year there's a possibility of losing three in a row. But certainly to lose Daniels and, and have the other kid come in and, and put up the numbers he did was impressive at a time. You know, like you say, we saw Stanford last week. Their quarterback was going to kind of come in and manage it as the backup. But uh, Helton certainly put the trust in his guy, and then it paid off for him. And we're going to take our last break, and then we'll be back to take a quick look ahead to Montana. Hi, Ryan Thorburn here, sports reporter at the Register Guard. I've covered a lot of your favorite sports memories in recent years. Marcus Mariota being presented the Heisman Trophy in New York. Oregon blowing defending national champion Florida State off the field in the Rose Bowl. Sabrina Ionescu becoming the face of women's college basketball while helping transform the Ducks from Pac-12 afterthought to national powerhouse. No other media company covers Oregon athletics with the depth and quality found at DuckSports.com. But in order for the Register Guard to continue its rich history of local journalism, we need your support. Please subscribe and support our advertisers to help us chronicle the ducks and take you behind the scenes to create more memories in the years to come. All right, we're back, Steve. Um, Oregon's typical schedule where they play a power five, uh, a group of five, and an FCS. We're down to the FCS part of that. Uh, Montana Grizz coming to Autzen for... A nice 7.45 p.m. kickoff. Um, how many fans do you think are going to show up for this game at that time against this opponent? Yeah, I was thinking about that, too, because, you know, one thing the Nevada game did was it certainly took away any degree of doubt for this week. You know, if Oregon had struggled a bit with Nevada, you'd think, well, Montana might be. But I don't think you can. I mean, I can't even sit here and make a case that Montana's in this game early in the second half. And, yeah, I, I don't imagine a whole lot of Portland people driving down. I think it would probably be a – I'm thinking the Grizz probably traveled pretty well for an FCS and or being not too far away. And I know there's a few I know in the state, so I think there'll be some Grizz fans. But, yeah, I think Oregon fans will probably for the most part want to watch this one on TV with, like I say, not not much to worry about what's going to happen on the field and it goes so late and uh, the traffic coming down. So I, I think, boy, in particular, that second half could be pretty empty. The Grizz are 2-0. and They won at South Dakota 31-17 last week in their home opener. They beat northern alabama 61 17 they have great tradition they've won you know multiple national championships they've been kind of rebuilding the last few few years under um, under bobby hauck who is in his second stint as the head coach there he left for unlv and that didn't work out now he's back so you know they're a decent fcs program but um you know i I think this is just mostly fine-tuning for the ducks for that pac-12 opener at stanford yeah, in the past years, it seems like there's always been a Sheldon kid or two at, at Montana, but there isn't really even a local interest there this year. At least as I looked at the roster, I didn't see anybody from around the area. So, yeah, I, I saw where Bobby Houck made the comment when somebody asked him what he was trying to get out of Saturday, and he said a win. But, like I said, I'd, I'd have a hard time right now even coming up with a script that could keep this thing within a 10-point game going into the third. Just, you know, Oregon, they, if they can survive a couple three-and-outs and a couple turnovers in this, I just, I just don't see a situation where – Montana's going to have any firepower to come out and be able to kind of keep up with them if Oregon's scoring from here. Well, we'll get more into this game during our Friday podcast, and we would like your help in that. If you want to get us some mailbag questions, we'd be happy to answer them. I'm not sure if 
Uh, Willie from Tallahassee's in the mood to keep <laughs> asking questions or, or Chip and Westwood. So uh, hit us up at Twitter at RG Duck Football is my handle at Steve Mims underscore RG is Steve's or you can email us. Uh, probably the easiest email to, to get us is sportsdesk at registerguard.com. Um, make sure you're checking out all our work at ducksports.com and follow our new Instagram account, ducksports. Um, a lot of great photos on there. So uh, we will talk to you on Friday. Thanks for tuning in.